welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Everybody to Nightlight. I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing introduction, as usual. Please check him out on the internet, look for native storytellers, and learn a lot about our history. I'm really excited about my guest today. Um, I have Dr. Andrew Silverman with me, and he is a leading scientific expert on the Shroud of Turin, a medical doctor with a background in physics. And for over 30 years, he's been conducting research on the mind-matter continuum, near-death experiences, and the Shroud of Turin. He's presented his findings in peer-reviewed scientific papers and at international scientific conferences. He has a, a wonderful book out, and I highly recommend it to everybody, called A Burst of Conscious Light. It highlights the threat to human survival posed by artificial intelligence and shows consciousness could never be manufactured or uploaded into a machine. He brings together evidence from quantum physics and near-death experiences to show that consciousness is fundamental and not the product of a physical brain. Welcome to the show, Andrew. I'm, I'm so delighted that you're here, and I can't wait to get into some of the material you presented in your amazing book. That's great. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Very happy to be here. Well, I, you know, your book talks about consciousness, and, and so many of us, you know, con we, we throw the word around, but I don't think that people understand exactly what consciousness is. And to get into all of this material, I'd like to go back to the very beginning, to before the beginning, mm. and and explain how we evolved from a light and we are a part of the light. So can you okay. go back to before the Big Bang and kind of bring us forward, um, you sure. know, within the two-hour limit we've got? <laughs> of course. I mean, basically, one when one tries to define consciousness, there's always uh, one always has the problem that whenever you define something, you define it in terms of something else. So you could define a, a glass as a receptacle that you can put 
liquids in and so on and because people know what a liquid is and they know what that means that they they understand what you're talking about but the thing about consciousness is that you can't define it in terms of any things because it is the in a way the complete opposite to thingness to to being something you see the other thing is that we uh, people tend to to confuse consciousness with the contents of their consciousness so as the they look as one looks around the the room and sees the various objects and people uh, around you then your consciousness includes that awareness of what you're of what you're seeing but your actual consciousness is more than just the contents of what you're seeing it's the fact that you exist in order to perceive that and and so uh, it, as all the listeners are themselves conscious they know what consciousness is but to define you could never define it in terms that say uh, a machine could could understand because a machine cannot be conscious so in terms of the the question regarding going uh, i would say rather than before maybe i'm a bit pedantic i'd say beyond the the big bang because so what we're looking at here is one has to consider the the nature of nature of time to understand beginning and it was the the nobel laureate quantum physicist owen schrodinger who pointed out that actually consciousness the mind is always now the laws of physics don't define a moment called now the laws of physics have the big bang going right through to the heat death at the end of the universe all could be together in one big glob of, of existence, past, present, and, and future. But as conscious entities, as conscious beings, we are always now. And therefore, because it is only because of consciousness that there is a now, it's only because of us that there is time. And therefore, as Schrodinger also observed, consciousness is the creator of time so consciousness cannot begin or end in time it cannot be created or destroyed so we didn't begin but the universe did begin at at the big bang what that implies is that what began at the big bang is not our existence but our separation from each other in other words that beyond the big bang we are we are all one it's uh, analogous to uh, uh, the closest way we have of perceiving it is what people perceive in their near-death experiences when they see a, a, a bright light and in that light it appears to be all compassion and all and all knowledge and they feel they feel loved by that light and everyone is 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 one in that light so i suppose you could say then that our our origin is the state of of all being one but we have become i wouldn't say evolved we have become diminished in as much as we are we are less than that so each of us is has individuality in separation and space time and matter are the map of that separation what caused that i mean did did that that oneness was there something in that oneness that said I want more, or I. <clears throat> what? Well, in other words, mm. was that? Well, it's it's. Mm. Yeah, it's I, actually, I'm, I'm. I would say. I'm struggling too. 
Okay, I would say actually it's not more. What we are is less than that than that oneness, and the 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 oneness being beyond beyond time doesn't change. It's still there now. That oneness is 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 timeless, but time began in the the separation. And yes, uh, as as you say, we we have we have freedom of choice, and. Uh, there, there's never. If there were a fixed, defined reason why a particular choice was made or had to be made, then it wouldn't be a free choice. So it's in the very nature of of choice that that there can be choices can be made that aren't don't achieve anything for the good or or um, or, or betterment. We people people make mistakes all the time, and they you know cause harm to their their fellow human beings from time to time, and so on. So it's not that the case that every choice we make is part of an evolution or of betterment. And I would say that the the choice that the one thing that you can't know as the all and all knowing and all one is you you cannot know ignorance. You cannot know separation you cannot be less than the all but in in terms that that possibility because if there's perfect freedom in the the perfect state of of all knowing then that allows for a choice to be made to for something less than that state to happen and that is what we have what we have made happen if you like in making in making physical universes we don't make the the oneness, the 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 light of all being, that never diminishes because it's beyond time. But we, if you like, rather than that, we make shadow. We make something that is less than light, and that's that's matter and space and time happen as a result of us us becoming less. But I, I think the point the point was that 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 throughout history there have been people who have have taught that this physical universe is a state of of being of being separate that as it was for example as as jesus put it that that this is a world where there's moths and rust and thieves and and everything everything breaks down but he highlighted that there was a a recipe if you like to regain our original state and the the summary of that recipe is love your neighbor as yourself, that we've become physical, we've become separate, we've become enforced physical material beings because we've become less and we've become separate and we've identified as self and through selfishness and, and materialism. And that creates a universe where everything left to itself breaks apart. But once we recognize that we we have the same origin all all sentient being has the same origin as as each other as as the one then living out of that recognition is recognizing that our neighbor is ourself and loving the neighbor as oneself is as as people like jesus and the buddha and, and many others have demonstrated that's the the recipe that that removes our our ignorance, the the blinkers that narrow our our perception and and vision, and helps us regain the all to become the all again. How does it happen that <clears throat> throughout time there have been individuals that seem to have 
this oneness within them to a higher degree than others. And and they seem to, you know, be living examples of a philosophy or a belief system or whatever you want to, not a religion, but, but a way of life that is so different from the rest of us. How does it happen that, that scattered through time are all of these individuals, was it a choice? Or mm. it, it, certainly there is no, I mean, it's not random. I know it's no, not random. No, definitely not random. Yes. But how does, state, how does that occur? Sure. I mean, their way of being is, if you like, the the natural way of being. We have become we have become less than that through through becoming more ignorant and limited and and restricted. And if you know, if we have no beginning, then you have to ask, where do we go when we die? And also, where were we before we were born or or conceived? And there's a lot to be said for the for the notion of. Of, of reincarnation as a as a mechanism through which that happens. So it may be that we have we have sort of built up our, our ignorance and prejudices and so on through 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 many lifetimes of becoming less. And then the people come to and and sort of show us a, a better way who have not accumulated so much so much shadow, if you like. So they can uh-huh. they can be truer to 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 the light. And in in some cases, uh, it can be to the extent that, to the extent that you know, for example, uh, uh, David Bohm, the the phys- quantum physicist, pointed out that matter is frozen light, and that that people, if they can be unenforced, can be can have enough peace and 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 love, in other words, union unionizing power, then. The, they, the atoms may become, begin to unfreeze slightly so that they could actually shine. It's, you know, like, for example, the, the, the Buddha is often depicted with light around him and Jesus at the Transfiguration was seen to shine. And, of course, as you say, the, it appears that the image on the Turin Shroud was actually formed by a, by a burst of light that came from his body. Well, it's... it's um Many people, I, I refer to the fact that we have a crystal, a spark, a flame of the infinite, and, and or the creation or the creator that that that, it, that rests within all of us. And I believe in reincarnation, so that makes a great deal of sense. How, depending upon your experiences in the past, it influences your perception of your present and possibilities for your future um my my late husband and i um interviewed a lot of people that have had near-death experiences and one of them um that i found most moving was she talked about how she once once death occurred or near death occurred she felt herself um being drawn forward towards the light and she said you have to understand it wasn't that I was surrounded by light. It wasn't that I was cradled by light. It wasn't that, you know, <clears throat> that I was getting loving feelings from out there. She said, I wasn't going towards mm. it. I was it. Mm. 
mm-hmm. so that she she recognized that she was being drawn towards a source that she was a part mm. of, which, mm. which, I mean, when she said, I was the light, all I could think of was mm. when, once you shed the, um, the, the, one person called it the prison of the human core, you know, you do become what you, what you were before you came in, which would be pure light. So, yeah. Um, um, well, I suppose the the question is how how do we do we live during our our life? I think what we what we become once our uh, once our body dies is 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 in a sense uh, subject to our our own choice making mechanism and the decisions that we make and 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 who we are as as people as as shown by how we live so if if someone did live a life that was purely out of out of compassion and you know like some of these great teachers that we were that we were discussing then then yes it, it is possible to to become the light whereas if we keep making more more shadow then we will still perpetuate that that shadow and and lesser until we we dissolve that away again. I mean, a lot of people in their near-death experiences, in their what's known as the the life review, they experience they they don't feel like they're being judged, but they they look through their life and they see everything that they did from the perspective of the other people that they interacted with. So if they were being kind to people during their lifetime, they feel so that kindness is coming to them. Uh, whereas if they had been and cruel to others, they feel that negativity in in themselves, and and so in that sense, we only would become purely the light if we if we are not at all shadow, if if we're totally uh, beyond all, all restrictions and limitations that divide one human being from another. We'd have to be completely beyond materialism, selfishness, racism, anything that divides human beings to be able to be congruent with that with that light well as pure consciousness or pure light or or spirit and i refer to it as spirit but you know it, it, that's mm. just semantics um mm. we don't have the ability to experience a physical um, a, a physical existence, and in that physical existence, a lot of the situations, I mean, as, as quote-unquote pure light, pure spirit, you're not going to have the ability to experience war, sadness, grief, joy, whatever, so, so that the physical form is imperative, for the understanding and the growth or the wisdom of the light that's within you is that a, uh, is that appropriate well, i i mean i i my my personal view on it is that that physicality that there's there's nothing worth knowing if you like that can that can only be um that can only be known in a physical separate universe that the physical separate universe is defined by by ignorance that all all knowledge and all compassion is contained in the in the original 
oneness, the, the, as you call it, the, the source state that, that we come from. Uh, and this, this physical universe is a, is a universe which we exist in because we have become, we've become less than that. So I don't, if, if, it's beyond, if the state that we've come from is, is beyond time and beyond, beyond all limit, then I don't think anything outside of it is, uh, is an improvement on it or, a, or an evolution from it because it's already, it's already perfection, it's already beyond time, it doesn't have need of, need of change. Whereas we, because we've become, become limited and, and restricted, then we need to we need change in order to undo that restriction to become like the the original state. Well, if indeed there is reincarnation, and again, I do believe in it, what is mm. the point of physical reality if, when we leave it, we become one with the whole again? You see, I, I don't think we, we do necessarily... It depends what you mean by leave it, of course. When, when we die, mm-hmm. I don't think we're necessarily leaving the separate state of existence that, that, we, that we are, in a sense, residing in now. If we still have those momentums that make separation within us, and we're, we're still, as I would say, um, stuck here. You know, they have this idea in... Uh, in in the Eastern Hinduism and Buddhism of the of the wheel of rebirth is is what your one is one is caught in until one uh, obtains release from it through through enlightenment and then you don't need to 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 be to have a physical birth again. Okay, I, you know it just it it doesn't make sense to me if we come from perfection um, once we once we separated from the whole, um, mm. from the source, what, what is the purpose of a physical existence when, when we have purity inside of us already? Right. We have, we have, pure, we have light inside of us already, uh, but we also mm-hmm. have shadow from our, from our ignorance. So we can, in terms of purpose, you could you could say that that it, it, that's a value judgment of of what someone considers to be their purpose. But if your if your your goal is to uh, to to achieve that that state that you that you came from, then the purpose of of uh, a physical life is to live that that change. As Mahatma Gandhi said, "Be the change that you." want to see in the world so that mm-hmm. so that as, as a, a living human being we have a chance to, to to make a difference through through how we live to because there there is so much pain and and suffering in the world and that's that's not i don't think by design by, by that it's sort of that suffering is is a punishment or imposed by some uh, kind of creator creator god but that suffering exists because we we've become we've become less than our, our full potential. You know, like the the saying goes that this is a world where where there's uh, moths that and rust that corrupts and thieves that break in and steal. But there's another way of being where there's there's no moths or rust or or thieves. There's an eternal state of existence that we can achieve, and people like 
Jesus and the other people like him throughout history have shown us how rationally we can achieve that that state. Yeah, just um, I think at one point you do say that 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 humanity, humans created time. And, and we are we are making time now every single moment we're we're making right. time through yeah yeah so that so that we we have created um an amazing school if you will that that we can we can work out the kinks in i guess and sure and well I in think, mm. go ahead Sorry, I was just going to say that we, what we've, we've actually made is we, we've made, because we've made ignorance, now we've got something to learn, to learn our way back to where we, to where we came from, if, if you see what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But the actual, that, um, that, that oneness, that source state beyond, beyond time, that's not something that needs to be improved it it doesn't change it's because it's beyond time it's already it's already limitless but we have made limit and so because limit exists and separation and 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 suffering and so on exists in this world then we can we have an opportunity to make things better <laughs> we have and to make ourselves better to to learn we have an, we have we've created it by becoming ignorant we now have the capacity to learn but uh, it, there, there is another way of existence that that doesn't have ignorance. But we are within that ignorant state, and so learning is what we need to do if we want to, the in our current state for for humanity to to survive as a as a species and not sort of blow itself up or or find some or make some kind of calamity happen. But then to to build on on that existence through through learning and through respect for all. For all of each other and understanding the value and, and limitless preciousness of each and every human being, so that we we live our lives valuing all of each other, and and, and then in in doing that, if we do it to the nth degree, to completely, then that then we would be achieving what the the the, the teachers of the past were were referring to as our potential. Well, there was a time when before technology started in, you know, the the technology like we've got today, there was a time when there was an innocence to humanity and there was the sharing and there was the loving and there was the compassion. And then as they evolved, um, and, and some look upon that as, you know, an improvement and others not, but, but as the technology became more and more a part of our lives, the 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 sweetness of humanity became less and less. Yes. So are on, are sure. we on a path are we on a pathway that technology can be our um, undoing, so to speak? I mean, according to some scientists, I'm not sure which branch, but um, the Earth has gone through at least five extinction uh, phases. And could we be heading for another mass extinction so that we can start over again and maybe not discover technology 
to this degree. Well, I, you see, I don't. If we if we head for an extension, I don't think it implies that there's some great plan that it's it's supposed to happen because something good is happening. I think that 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 there is there is a the likelihood that if things don't change, that I mean, uh, Lord Martin Rees, the uh, astronomer royal in the in the in the UK, um, recently wrote a book called Our Final Century, in which he posited that the that it's the 21st century could be the last century of 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 living sentient humanity. That that there's in the in the UK we've got in uh, Oxford, there's Oxford University has the the Future of Humanity Institute, and in the University of Cambridge, there's the Centre for Study of Existential Risk, of which Martin Rees and, and Stephen Hawking were were members. And, and a lot of the people in both these institutions were saying that there's a very real danger that that humankind could could become extinct through the unanticipated consequences of of technology. Um, and for for example, I mean. You um, just there are some obvious examples, such as the um, the sort of automated uh, uh, autonomous weapons and so on. That that, um, but there there are other ways that, uh, for example, if um, you were to people were to try to in an increasingly robotic world, if they were to try to create. Uh, Things that were there to to prevent human suffering through so-called artificial intelligence. You program it to pre- prevent human suffering, and to a machine, to a robot, the most logical way of preventing all human suffering is just to wipe out all human beings. Because if they're not there, they're not going to suffer. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just sort of one one extreme example of it. But also, because people are losing sight of, as you said at the start, losing sight of what consciousness is, and they're confusing the the state of being conscious for the information or contents within that consciousness. Then people think that they are just some kind of software or program in the brain and think that they could upload their their minds into a machine. I show in the book how you know that's completely not possible. That we're not just strings of of ones and zeros. But if people did start to believe that in sufficient numbers, and you get more things like transhumanism and trying to do mind uploading, then then human beings would seem to become superfluous, surplus to requirements. And people would say, "Oh, I'm just going to. My body's getting old now. I'm just going to put my mind into this machine, and then my body can be can be disposed of." And actually. What they're actually doing is is handing a, a death sentence to the to the human species. Now, people like um, Stephen Hawking and Martin Rees have argued that if we did have contact with an extraterrestrial intelligence, it would probably not be something that was living in the organic sense. It would probably be a machine. It would probably be artificial intelligence because the actual the duration of of organic living intelligence once advanced technology happens they were saying would be would be quite a short one because it's not long until humankind or its equivalents and other planets gets gets replaced by by machines see so in in the book i actually make a case that 
artificial intelligence is in many ways a contradiction in terms because you uh, you can never make a, a machine that's going to be going to be conscious. All it's doing is artificially artificially processing information. But although it's not truly intelligent, it is still potentially potentially deadly, and it could be that 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 will be the the reason for for a possible extinction of the the human race but people can stop that from happening that's because we have free will we can resist we can we can say no we can value and cherish humanity and and each other and say that that's the most important thing not machines and matter i think the other thing that that you bring out too is that you know most of most of us um look upon the earth and humanity as the all there is but when separation happened it didn't happen just in this little part of the galaxy or or the universe so that so that hmm. out there there must be billions of other entities that that experienced the separation too and e- and evolved through time into other forms that may well have gotten it better than we did. Well, there, there may well be other uh, life forms. Now, in terms of evolved, I, I think it's more um, likely that that, that uh, something called devolution happens. That uh, that from as you were saying that that in the past uh, the the people before technology they had more of a more of a sense of each other so people may say that we're evolving as we become in quotes developed and so on uh but actually we're we're actually becoming becoming less in terms of our human capacity and it's it's interesting that actually if you look over the last few thousands or even tens of thousands of years people would assume that for example the human brain has been has been growing it hasn't it's actually been shrinking as, as time has gone on, if you look at the and the sort of paleoanthropologists will will back this up that if you go back to Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal man, uh, they actually had they actually had larger brains per per body size than than we do. Well, you know, actually, in this case, does size really matter? Because it's it's said, and I and again, I can't quote from where, but. That that we only use a, about six percent of the capacity of our brain, so that yeah, something something like ten percent of the uh, of the of the cerebral cortex, or at least it would seem that that is the case from uh, certain uh, cases where people have had uh, hydrocephalic people who who only have a very tiny slither left of their of their of their cortex which is the part that is more distinctly human and in many cases you know went on to get very uh highly qualified degrees and and so on and didn't have any any notable sort of handicap or, or um despite the fact that they are only only actually had a tiny proportion of their their brain left but it may be then that that in the past our ancestors might have used more of their brains than we do because evolution doesn't make anything that in case you might need it in the future so it may be a remnant of 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 the past well that's sad 
I, I, I tend, I, I would love to believe that that we have the tools and the gifts inside of us to utilize those gifts and talents that I think, oh, I definitely. believe, pers- you know, personally, lay dormant within us, like telepathy, yes, like, um, like even um, levitation, like, I mean, there's so many different gifts that that, that have yeah. been just, you know, demonstrated by these um, teachers that have been amongst us. And and all sure. of them really suggest, you know, you can do this too. It's just a matter of oh, absolutely. Um, so 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 that if we if we could utilize yeah. what we've got instead of building machines sure. that might replicate right. it, we we'd be better yeah. off. That's right, indeed. And and um, although that that isn't actually about using parts of parts of the brain but I put it this way in the book in fact this was a point I made um twice once um when the um the the first professor of parapsychology came to give a talk at my university when I was a student around 30 years ago um you know at the, there was a question time at the he'd been uh, in, in his public lecture there he'd been uh, get, talking about the evidence for extrasensory perception and mind over matter you know, from experiments on telepathy and psychokinesis and so on. And uh, at the end, I, I just raised my arm and said, actually, when the, the, the chairman, you know, said it was my time to, to speak, I just made the point that actually any human being making any action at all is using the power of mind over matter. So there's people, you know, doing all these complicated experiments to see whether a spoon can be slightly bent or whether you can influence a random number generator or so on. But what we're missing the we're we're missing the elephant in the room that actually that you, people talk about extrasensory perception, but senses don't perceive. Your eyes don't see, your ears don't hear, neither does your brain see or hear in as much as there are electrical signals in there. But that doesn't in itself sort of invoke a consciousness to, to experience it. So all of our experience is beyond the senses and all our action, every, every time we use our free will to make a decision and make an action, that is, that is mind over matter. Um, and uh, so I, I think um, you know that once we once we recognise that, once we recognise that every single human being that we you know we see walking along the the street, they have they have a power that's bigger than the whole physical universe in terms of just um, sort of uh, dead galaxies and piles of gas and and stars and black holes and all of that. All of that is just just matter, just following the, the the laws of physics blindly. Whereas each human being is such an amazing being because they actually have something that can that can intercept that and make make change happen of their own volition through free will. And that is the power of mind over matter. So I, I, I think that actually, you know, when people talk about, for example, because, you know, because the book mentions a lot about the shroud, so the subject of Jesus comes up and people talk about his, his miracles. To me, I don't, I don't use the word miracle, but all of those things that he did were the, the power that he had to do them were, was simply the power of his, pure compassion that people were hungry and so food 
could appear because he cared so much about that. Every single one, if you look at all of the things that he did that were called miracles, every single one was the response of a compassionate human being, in other words, him, to a need that he saw in people around him. Well, what about people like the Buddha who, um, when, when he came upon a raging river and everybody was trying to figure out how to get to the other side, everybody looked around and he was already on the other side. That's, that's uh, teleportation. Um, Jesus with walking on water, um, is that a, an element of knowing something and then doing well, it? Well, yes, or is I think if you if you go back to that story of when he walked on the water, if I'm not mistaken, um, that was um, the, his friends had gone out in a in a fishing boat, and uh, they were caught in a in a storm, and there was a real danger that they could be capsized, and he wanted to help them, and so he he walked towards them. There happened to be water there, but he just went straight over it. Now that's interesting because um, in the uh, in the if you look at the the image on the shroud, it appears that at the the very moment that the that the image formed on the shroud, that actually his his dead body had it was no longer lying flat on the slab, but it was actually upright. Because you can tell that because the hair is hanging down on the shoulders, not behind him, and uh, the back of the body is not around the buttocks and the calves is not flattened. Uh, so it's it's actually he was his body was upright, and then so you look at the position of the feet, thinking, oh, what how, was this body somehow standing? But no, because the feet are on on different levels. It looks as though he was actually suspended above the the ground. And this is the point that that if one is sufficiently clear and, and pure enough in, in lack of, of shadow that, that limits that, that light that can, that can come through human beings, then the, the very materiality of the, of the atoms themselves can become actually begin to unwind and, and become lighter. And that's how uh, the, the Buddha, the, in the example you gave, was able to rise above the water, as was Jesus, as was Peter, and uh, someone called Teresa of Avila, I understand, she used to float above the, the, the ground sometimes. It, Jesus himself actually said that all these things you see me do, and you, I think you were alluding to this earlier, all these things you see me do, you also can do. That anyone anyone is, is capable of doing them. But the most important thing that he was doing wasn't, to turn water into wine or to or to rise above the ground it was his power of of compassion and that's what that's what was the key to him being able to do those things but the things themselves were very much incidental i don't think it was about the the spectacle of 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 showing these magnificent things the magnificence was in how much he cared i i would totally agree and i think that goes for almost every teacher out there um, yes. That, yes. That it is. It is the the element of of unconditional love that enables this process to uh, to happen, and it's, it's very it's fascinating in that finally um, science is at a place where it is recognizing that these things happen and trying hmm. to understand why and how so that you know science is is not just 
chalking these things up to uh, you know crazy people um but but mm. you know but looking at them near death experience you know is one of the things that i'm so glad that that science is is paying attention to because among other mm. things it's happening with doctors you know, so that um so that and mm. it's not a matter of the brain being a part of this whole process because Mm. Near-death experiences often take place when the brain is no longer functioning, so it can't be the Absolutely. brain that is doing this. So, so that quite right. So the the physical body is just a vehicle wherein the spirit dwells for a, for a period of time. Mm. Sort of. Yes. And and it yes. to me is is um, and the element of miracle. I mean, yeah, it. I understand why people use it, but. But it's it's a, a matter of fact, and probably has been throughout all of time. And near death experiences mm. probably have happened since the beginning of time. Mm. But it is it, yeah. it's just it's just at this this you know. Of course, also I, I in think... England, I mean the the um, mm. insane asylums were full of people that were having near death experiences and all sorts of other things, and they just were well, declared I think, out I of think... their minds. I think partly uh, the reason why near-death experiences have become what would normally have happened that in the process of dying, one might have experienced that light and the life review, but then not come back to tell the tale about it until you're you're reincarnated and then you don't remember it. But what's changed in around the the, the 1960s is is that um, cardiopulmonary resuscitation began to happen and then uh, defibrillators and so on so people were were brought back more frequently from from cardiac arrest and these are often the people who who have the near-death experiences so ironically the the fact that we have technology and using that technology in this instance possibly in a in a good way i think well i would i'm a medical doctor myself so i'm not totally anti-technology if, if techno if it's always the the human being is is the priority not the not the machine then you know it can be can be used to to good effect well when when i've spoken with people that have had this kind of experience what i have found with i'd say like 97 percent maybe maybe greater but you know I, i'm going to allow for some not most of the people who have experienced it come back with a sense of love and compassion for humanity that, mm. that goes beyond what they had beforehand. Um, they want to serve. Mm. They want to help. They, they want to take care of. Um, I, I've, I've spoken to it, it matters not their age or their philosophy or their sure. religion. Mm. It, it's yes. a matter of they've experienced something that has mm. a awakened within them a knowingness that changed their life. In fact, the studies, scientific studies that have been done by people like Peter Fennick and Pim Van Lommel and so on show that there's no correlation there between religious beliefs and whether people have a a, a life-changing experience that that people can be an atheist or they can believe anything. Um, But uh, they... 
what, what happens in the near-death experience isn't a matter of belief. It's a, a matter of direct experience that they see something, they experience this for themselves. And once they've done that, then, then no one can tell them it's not real because they've, they've been there. Exactly. Exactly. And, mm. you know, it, it, does, it does make you think, you know, enough of this is, this is going on so that, so that it has to be filtering into everybody. Um, near-death experience is now no longer something that people frown upon or jest about. They believe it. And well, more, so more it, people it, do, yes. I think that's right. So that, so that, you know, there is hope for all of us. Um, you know, mm. this book, your book is, is so important, actually, that, that um, I, 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 it feels like you are compelled to write it. Uh, was, there, was there a special reason behind your writing the book? Well, you know, actually, um, I, um, th- these are things that I've, that I've been thinking about for, for, for years, in fact, for, for decades. And um, I, I feel like, you know, because when I have discussions with people, sometimes with, with um, eminent scientists about these questions about consciousness and how it relates to quantum theory and so on, and I, I test the, these ideas out. And, and so far, nobody has... has uh, because obviously, you know, I'm just as valuable as anyone else and I want to learn as well. So, I, you know, I'm looking for, for logical flaws so that I can improve on it. But so far, you know, no one has pointed out anywhere along the, the line of, of, of logical derivation that there's, a, that there's a mistake. It does seem to, to hold water. And so I just feel I have a responsibility if it, if it you know, there's a possibility of it being right. I can't know for sure, but it looks like it is to me. Then I, uh, I have an obligation to, to get it out there for people to be able to read it and, and consider it for themselves. And hopefully, you know, I'll learn something from, from some of those readers who will come back at me with with their own new insights and maybe write their their own books that that I can learn from. Um, so I think you know all of us learn from 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 sharing knowledge. The you know this is I was saying that the best way to learn is to teach. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I taught mm. school for twenty five years and um, mm. learned learned more by teaching. Than I did from going to school. Mm. So <clears throat> it go. is always a challenge when you're a teacher to find a new way, a new perception, a new approach to to get a point mm. across or to open a door to awareness of on a greater level. So, mm. but I, I I find what what you have here is is just so it it separates knowledge from consciousness. And and I love that because there's there is a difference, you know. You can read books and you can have facts and you can have libraries, but unless there's a mm. knowingness inside of you, it it doesn't mean anything. Mm. If you're not using that wisdom to facilitate greater growth within yourself, mm. so mm. so it, it to me, your book makes it so very clear that that we have power inside of us that hmm. we tend to not draw on because we have been taught that we don't have that power. Mm. And, and, and so it is 
creating, you, you don't like what's going on, then change it. Change your perception and mm. work towards something else. Don't be a victim. Mm. Be be someone who is a pathfinder and, and finds new ways to approach things in a different way. We do have free will. Mm. We can choose yes. to be a victim or we can choose to be someone who is a trailblazer. And... Um, mm. And in blazing those trails, we open all all sorts of doors to other other elements within our reality. But but I love the way that you you spoke of the, the we chose to be separate. And there was a mm. do, do you have any you know was there a purpose behind being separate? Um, you see. This this is the point about about free will that that um, that people find um, understandably difficult to to fathom is that whenever anything happens, then we look for a cause of why did that happen. But by its very definition, if and I go into this in depth in the book, the nature of free will is that there cannot be a final cause of why anyone ever has to make a particular choice because there would be a contradiction in terms there because if they had to make that particular choice then the will isn't free so by its very nature if the fact that will is free means that there doesn't have to be a purpose behind our our actions and you know unfortunately we we make mistakes and and in a sense having been caught in this in this physical universe one could argue might be might be our 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 biggest mistake that we're caught by our by our ignorance and limitation and by ignorance i don't mean ignorance of of facts or academic knowledge i mean ignorance of each other as valid limitlessly valuable beings of of that each human being has limitless potential so if you take that on a spectrum they have people like Jesus and the Buddha and others like them at one end who, you know, uh, radiate pure compassion. And then the other end would be a, be a psychopath, someone who has no sense that, as far as they're concerned, other human beings are just piles of flesh that have no meaning or, or value to them except what they can use of that person for themselves. And so... We, we and in not being at the at the light in having shadow we're within us of limitation of restriction of division and so on we're sort of some way along that that spectrum away from away from the light and yet that there is a, a way that we can get closer to it and that's what people realize in their in their near-death experiences and so on that that in that light we are all one, so it's all about it's all about compassion and recognition that not just we are that light in potential, but that every other human being is whatever their their gender, race, religion, whatever. That all all humanity is is limitlessly valuable. Well, in this separation, because of free will, didn't we have the free will to choose to be in the shadows? And by choosing to be in the shadows, we created situations where we could find pathways back to the light. Well, in a sense, it's just that, that, that if you get lost 
if you can find retrace your steps you can find how not so that you could unlose yourself if you see what i mean otherwise the simplest mm-hmm. way to do it is not to get lost in the first place um so yes it is the, the the potential is there for us to regain what we had but i don't think we that you could say that we've lost it so that we could regain it because it's not so that anything in the sense that there was no final reason that it had to happen but choice except that choice choice made it so that we that we we made it so we are the we we have made our own destiny in that sense and and each other's that everything is is interconnected that um so a lot of what happens is because we've 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 made a world of, of separation, then chaos goes together with that. So the the butterfly flapping its wings in the Amazon that 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 that, that makes a storm in in Florida, it's choosing to flap its wings, but it's not choosing to make a storm. It doesn't know about storms, but the storm happens because it flapped its wings. So um, you see, that's the that's the thing about about chaos and and consequences that not everything is 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 chosen the the fact that we exist in this in this physical universe makes us subject to to chaotic things happening and things going wrong and so on but there is a a simple path that we can that we can follow that has been has been shown to us as a species that to recognize and value ourselves and each other sufficiently so that we don't have to be part of this physical universe anymore that there's a way of existing beyond beyond matter if everyone got to that place then would this physical existence disappear well yes i mean that's what uh, in fact many people are surprised to know that that's actually what quantum mechanics says that um there's a uh, a, a talk that done by well it's actually in, in his in his uh, book that he wrote a gentleman by the name of Andre Linder who's professor of physics at Stanford University and he basically um if uh, um people can find this talk I actually reference it on the uh, a link to it on the website andrewsilverman.co.uk a talk he gave on a, a, a channel called closer to truth where he makes the point that actually the equations of quantum physics when you apply them to the whole universe would mean that nothing happens the universe doesn't begin and the universe doesn't change unless or until there there is an observer there to make it happen that that the observer makes there be time if there's no observer if there's no consciousness in the universe in other words if if we and all like us are were not caught here and so there's no observer then there's no time and so the universe ceases it that it, it doesn't it can't it can't be unless it's observed okay so in and in order to observe it there has to does there have to be physicality Yes well you see um physicality uh, and I I make this case in the book as well that basically what we're talking about when we say physicality is space time and matter okay so yeah. space is defined the locations of space are defined by by matter which is like condensed space in the form of atoms and so on and the um space and time are simply 
ways of defining separation because it's separate one point to another one one moment to the to the next and so on and so um physicality physical universes and separation are actually the same thing that our separation is the physical universe uh so um there there you you would never have one without the other you wouldn't have separation without physicality or physicality without separation ah okay that that makes sense so mm. so that so that we are on an an eternal journey then um so to speak because it doesn't feel like um it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like as separate we will we will get to the point where we bec- become one with our source. Well, but it, yes, or, or 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 we may get to the point where we become further from it. If you look at human history, that um, as you were saying, that as we've so-called, um, as other people may call it, developing, that we've we've become more sort of attached to to um, machines and, and technology and less to each other as human beings, that we're actually getting further from each other. Um, so the, the the natural momentum that we've that we've made is not taking us towards that light. It's taking us further from it. But that's not to say we can as you say, we have free will. So we can we can say we can say stop. We can we can recognize and 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 be trailblazers for the the value of, of of all human beings and i mean if you look at for example can, there's plenty of examples you can take from from human history a, a very obvious one would be would be would be dr martin luther king um who um who you know he was living in a, a in a in a society that devalued human beings based on their their appearance and he stood up and he was a trailblazer to 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 talk of the value for all of all human beings and and you know drew people's drew people's attention to that against the momentum of where of where the world was going but 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 pushing it towards a better way so um yeah it's it's all about you know how much we can each of us in our in our own lives can can as you say be be trailblazers towards towards unity and the and the recognition of 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 the limitless potential of all humanity is it possible that of course it's possible but not maybe not, well is it possible that a single um individual who has that 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 spark within them that they travel through time gathering the ability to grow into unconditional the sense of unconditional love that they mm-hmm. don't go back or that they don't finally see this is my current philosophy that the the, mm. the the spirit goes lifetime to lifetime to lifetime probably millions maybe billions maybe trillions of times but then at some point becomes so pure, so perfected, that it becomes a source of consciousness, and then parts of it 
decide to be separate and go their separate ways like our spirit did. So well, in, in um, other words, so so we're not going back to a source, but we're, we are, in essence, growing over time to become a source ourselves. I, I think the 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 point about the the source state, the the oneness state, is that it has no no beginning. It, it can't uh-huh. begin. It can't be. It can't be created. We can we can we can return. So to it by by removing all, all shadows so that we are just that light but that light isn't 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 beginning um as such um but um yet there is the, in the buddhist philosophy the the um they have the notion of the of the the bodhisattva it means um uh, someone who decides that they want to to stay around in the in the physical universe uh and not um, going to nirvana or, or heaven or whatever you call it, um, but to keep coming back here to to help be uh, sort of there for for the others to to help um, other people to 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 learn. I'm not sure. If perhaps that's what you're 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 referring to. That some of these these great teachers who have come and um, that maybe they didn't maybe they didn't have to be here maybe they um had they either never maybe they never they never actually reduced their state they never took on shadow or they had shadow but they undid it and and became became light but then as light they they choose to come to come back to 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 help us perhaps who knows yeah that was that was going to be a, another question so the that the spirit that was Jesus, that was Buddha, that was that the same light energy, or or were they different? Um, because I, I've heard a lot of people postulate that 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 all of the major teachers were really the same light energy that was coming back time after time after time to help humanity, but. Yeah, well, I mean, um, the I think the the point is that the 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 more we become what we can be in in full potential, then the the um, the the hallmarks of of identity of, of specificity of of saying that you are that particular person or the other person becomes becomes less less important. So, what what matters? more is about um they would perhaps have said is 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 what they're teaching not 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 about who they are or their their particular um sort of pasts or 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 origins because going back far enough all of our origin is the is the same anyway because we're we are all derived of that of that one light and yet we each have our own individual patterns of of darkness and shadow that we have made that make us less than that but but people such as those had had less or 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 no shadow so they came into this reality without any shadows and that Mm -hmm. was free will they they chose to do that Mm. it it does it does but but wait jesus had shadows jesus had challenges jesus had dilemmas in which free choice you know took place yeah well i mean of course that's the nature of of being human is is to is to have challenges 
but it's it's how we how we face those challenges it, we either through through light or through through obscuring that light by by making darkness and and, and division um so i would i would make a case that 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 in his life he he sort of um embodied that the principles of that of that light as a, opposed to the the shadow that that obscures it well it was also a time when when there wasn't the technology that we have today mm-hmm. and yet and yet the technology that we have today i i they we we claim it as being you know we are the most technologically advanced that that the race has ever been and yet they have the batteries that they have found that were that were um that that they found in shipwrecks um over in in the aegean that 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 were batteries that were working computers so well there was yes the um Antikythera uh, mechanism was actually a computer that was around um, uh, almost um, almost uh, two thousand years ago, way before way before Charles Babbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just you know it's sort of like every every time we think we've developed something new, we find out that it that we it really isn't new. Um, well, I mean, the point is that that I would argue that uh, these technological things, whether or not that, however, however new they are, that they don't actually define our our humanity. Definitely, they don't make our our humanity anymore. It's it's our humanity is is made more by our our recognition of the the value of humanity. In, in ourselves and and in others to to recognize that and and live according to that to that recognition makes us more human but having more advanced technology doesn't make us doesn't make us more human in itself in fact there's the danger as i say that that if if technology is is not used wisely then it can actually lead to lead to human extinction Oh yeah, I mean, there, there, the cryogenics and everything that is going on is is really quite profound. You know, people that have frozen themselves right before the moment of death, so they can be revived when the technology is such that they can be cured. Um, and and you know, it it's a matter of if you have enough money, you can do almost anything. Uh, but as I say, it it's, it's like the problem. Like the problem with the with this belief in in mind uploading, I I would argue that it comes from uh, that the species were becoming more more ignorant and people uh, associate their being their identity with the lump of flesh that they call their body and they associate their mind with the 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 pile of gelatinous substance in their skull that's called the brain and think that that they are just a pattern of electricity in that in that object and so that they can just take the information from that and put it in a machine and then they think that's them so it's our 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 blindness that can actually that could actually be our be our undoing that when when we we lose sight of humanity and and our humanity becomes uh superfluous and not not no longer needed then 
the the human species could could disappear not so much with a with a bang but with a with a whimper and you know people but people can can stop it they can stop it from happening in in recognizing that humanity is something grander and, and eternal that we don't need transhumanism we don't need mind uploading that we just need to fulfill our potential as, as human beings and recognize potential in all others a noble thought for sure a, a lot of people don't understand and and i have to you know i i, I kind of go along with the fact that it's a, it's it's something big to swallow but that that when <clears throat> i talk it but it's hard to to um to say i believe it totally cuz it's it's hard to believe that that though i am not of physical, my physicality does not represent the totality of my being. So that mm. when my, my when the, when my spirit, light body energy, whatever you want to call it, leaves my body, it doesn't really leave as me. It leaves as a spirit that has total knowledge of everything that its journey has been on and that that which is me was only a brief moment in time. Okay. Um, although, I mean, the, as I say, in, in people's, if we're, we're to, to try to get, gather evidence of how we continue from in the near-death experiences what people perceive, then generally speaking they in their in their life review because we're we're generally sort of mixtures of 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 the two of light and shadow and that's what they that's what people sort of generally report that they that they experience the kindness that they did to others as being done to them and anything that they did that was negative they feel that also so the fact that we have come back into this physical world and that we um you know that we do have our, our each have our, our pattern of patterns of restriction and 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 limit does to me imply that yes we do have the potential to be to be the all but we don't automatically become that just just through dying that that we we need to we need to achieve what our steps towards becoming that light within our lifetime it doesn't happen it doesn't happen automatically. And of course, there are some people who have the the negative near death experiences as well, where they they actually see darkness and and suffering. Although many of those people, they find that that also life changing because they 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 realise that it, it does. They realise how some of their negative propensities were were leading, and they they see a way beyond that to go a different way. So do we do we bring a pattern into the lifetime when we manifest? Or, well, I or have always, it... yes, I, I've always spoken of what I, I call people talk about the nature versus nurture debate. You know, they say, um, are you the more determined by your genes or by your environment? And I call it the nature versus nurture versus neither debate. That I I believe that yes, your your each of your parents give you give you genetic material but then you add something else to that of you that is defined by all of your experience that went up to that point when you when you came into that 
incarnation, all of your previous memories and, and, and actions. And, uh, and that also defines what you are. You're not just a summary of your, of your parents or, or your environment. You're a summary of what you bring in from your previous ex- existence and also what you make of your life with your with your free will in this one so that those two aspects are what i would call the neither that's not nature and it's not nurture so we don't in other words have a road map when we come in um it's, it's all... well i would say in, in a sense we 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 do have a, a a momentum that we're we're following in our in our life that we that we bring bring with us and maybe in the unconscious mind somehow there's a there's a there there is a, a map of of how we what we could do if we want to undo our limits undo our our shadow and 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 find the light but it's just a case of of whether or not and to what extent we 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 find the opportunities or the choice to to, to follow it or not okay because you know, I I've spoken with people that say, well, I made a contract that I was going to do this, 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 and this when I came into this lifetime, or I was going to connect with this person or that person, and mm. um, you know, I um, and, and whatever somebody believes is fine if that's their belief system. Um, that's that's their belief system. I certainly wouldn't sure. debate it. But but mm. um, I I have personally I have trouble thinking that that's the way it works. Um, it makes greater sense that each individual, you know, is is guided is is to a certain degree. We are programmed by family and by culture and by religion and by what teachers teach us until we have the t- the time until we have the the wisdom and the time and the ability to take on our own education if we so choose so that so that yes, that's, I definitely, that's where you know that's where free will comes in sure i mean they, they those things may definitely exert uh, influence uh upon upon us but you do get people who who um you know, have a natural talent or ability. You know, prodigies, for example, in in music or or um, or, or science or 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 anything else that they somehow have something innately within them that that not, not necessarily did their parents have or or did their or did their teachers have. And I think we, you know, if if we uh, we if we have no beginning, but our 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 line of of ancestry not in terms of parents grandparents great grandparents, but our ancestry of us of that stream of consciousness that that we are that we are now has had previous previous lives and so on then then definitely i would expect that that some of that we would we would bring in with us and there is evidence uh, for it in terms of you know children who have memories of a previous existence um they had no conscious way of of knowing about it, but it then it it later gets gets verified, uh, you know that that what they what they were saying is actually relates to a real individual who did actually live before. Well, so how do you how do you explain then, like you said, the prodigies or or the idiot savants? Um, 
are these situations where where so much has been built up in in past lifetimes that it it just pours into the current lifetime? I I, I mean, it might be. I don't know, but but I would imagine that if you know after Mozart died, if he was uh, if he came back into life, I'd be very surprised if he he didn't have some innate musical talent in in his next life that was there even before um you know a teacher tried to try to guide him that um definitely i i suspect we do we do carry uh tendencies and uh, of uh, of ways of being that that do do continue from from one lifetime to the next but wouldn't that then explain these teachers that come in you know, generationally or whatever, that 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 they they are on a pathway that is that that is kind of leading them in that direction, like yes, Jesus, that, that, like, um, like you know, yeah, that that they have they've made that part. As you said, they they've been trailblazers because they have chosen to to follow that that pathway that leads towards the light. It's interesting, actually, that that although most references to, to reincarnation were removed from what's now known as the, the Gospels, there is one potential, possibly that, that still remains, that um, when Jesus is talking to the apostles and um, they say, you know, he, ask, he was asking them, who do they say that, that I am? And, and what somebody says, well, some say that you can't be the, the Messiah because before the Messiah comes... Elijah has to return and he said I I tell you he did return and people didn't recognize it and and the text says that uh that they thought he was talking about John the Baptist if that's the case and that would mean that that the prophet Elijah had must have reincarnated as John the Baptist so there's then a reference to the fact that 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 Jesus and the apostles believed that such a thing as reincarnation did happen you see so it's interesting. Well, absolutely, and and I think in one in some place he, Jesus even indicates that he is the God of the Old Testament. Well, uh, I, I think, yeah. I mean, basically, I think um, what what he says is that um, he says that he and the and and the Father are. Are, are one, and he says that the interesting thing about that, though, is that um, that he doesn't define himself as being the only one who for whom for whom God is the Father. In fact, he says that anyone who does my Father's will is my brother, my sister. And he says, um, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the the children of God." So he's basically identifying uh, that that all human beings have that potential to to be to be like him if they if they you know live what he taught to the fullest extent well and and he did say all this and more will you do yeah so that, absolutely so that you know it, it was he was in a human body what he was doing was from a human perspective and mm. if he was human then any human would still have would have the same tools to work with, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm. Mm. So yeah. so that so that you know what I find fascinating is that that when he passed, 
I mean, he chose, he, it was his choice to pass. He could have turned his donkey around at any time, but he didn't. Well, and he it, it was, a, I would, yeah, yeah. I, the way I would put it, it's not that he chose to die, but he didn't, he didn't walk away from it. Um, he allowed it to be, to be done to him, if you see what I mean. Yeah, but, but he did have, he had the choice. He did. He, he could have, yeah, he could have, you know, kind of said, not this lifetime, I'll come back again in another time. And, you know, or he could have said, mm. you know, I'd rather be a fisherman, just uh, I'm going that direction this lifetime so that there was a destiny that he had. And, and I do believe that, that, that a lot of people have a destiny and it's, it's just a matter of do you, do you, do you follow it? this lifetime or do you mm. do it another lifetime do you do you choose to um sit out a lifetime and just do nothing can i i, I guess you can there is free will but well i i think there is but but then the opportunity may no longer be there that the thing is that this is a, a world of diminishing returns with the uh, with the second law of thermodynamics that breaks everything apart so the longer we leave it the less likely we are to be able to to achieve full divestment of all darkness and shadow within us, so to speak. That that the more the longer we leave it, just sort of waiting, um, the 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 less likely it is that we'll make headway. I think. Well, is free will though really free? Because we have the freedom to make the choices, but we still have hmm. to live with the outcome of those choices. Yes, and that's that's what the that's why it, it it's that's what I, to me that's what freedom means. Freedom includes the the fact that you have the capacity to make choices and therefore you have the capacity to make consequences. And yes, you you have to uh th- those consequences will affect you and others, you know, for the better or not. I think part of the part of being human and, and part of part that we so many of us miss is that that every action that we have that we make not only affects us but it affects other people as well. So it's Absolutely. it's sort of like um, an analogy similar to the butterfly. You know, a ripple can become a tsunami, and mm. and. If if something you do appears to be so simple that it's you know inconsequential, it's not. It there mm. is a there is a domino effect that can impact mm. that that old adage you know for um, want of a nail a horseshoe was lost for one of a horseshoe the horse was lost for one of the horse the rider was lost for you know, and, and it just snowballs into. You know, mm. reality changes. So yes. I, I think most people don't realize that everything they do affects everyone else. Mm. It's not just it's not just me. It's me and you mm. and, and and everybody else out there. And yes. I, I think humanity has a ways to go before it realizes that we are um, a family of man and woman. Mm. You know. Mm. And it's a family, you know, and and 
Yeah. You don't always like everybody in your family, but but they're family, so you love them, and and mm. it's that mm. it's that kind of love that people don't understand, and okay. and it, it has to do with consciousness too. It has to do with awareness. It has to do with taking you out of the individual we and becoming part of a whole. And mm. and we ha- we have become isolated from that knowledge and that wisdom and, and mm. so not not that I'm trashing religions because I'm not I think re- it, it's important to some people and they should have it but but the reality is that there's there are many ways back to the source or to find the source within you it doesn't have to be just mm. one way mm. and and that mm. that's where that's where so many people get caught up. You know, it's not a single chosen group. It's everybody. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I often say that if you were to gather together all the great teachers of history, like uh, Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad, the Buddha, Zoroaster, Guru Nanak, and so on, um, they're, they're not going to be, they wouldn't see themselves as being representatives of different religions. They'd all be like brothers and they'd all be actually referring to what they all agree is true. And uh, it's just it's just human humanity through we, we've made we've made religions to divide ourselves up from from each other. I often say that religion is is the shadow. Religions are the shadows cast by mankind on the on the light of God, that the light is the same for all of us. But we each have our own way of of demarcating sort of what's not light, and, and the problem is that we identify then the shadow. We confuse the shadow and the light, and and, and people identify with uh, an institution as um, as being, uh, and they and they sort of follow and worship the shadow instead of the light. <laughs> well, you know, and and if you look at all major religions and. And even even nonverbal religions, it all comes down to the golden rule. I mean, that's mm. that's at the at the foundation of just about every, whether it's Native American, whether it's African, whether it's the big ones, Christianity and Judaism and and I mean, it's 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 do unto others. It's love thy mm. neighbor as thyself. It it all comes down yes. to that one concept. And yes. You know, people have have you know created convoluted concepts around all of those principles to take you in different directions. But but you're ac- you're absolutely right. It, it it really all is the same thing. It's mm. it's uh, it's founded on love. Yeah, and and absolutely. but it's un- it it's unconditional love as opposed to mm. spiritual love, as opposed to yes. a physical love. And that's where yes. most people get get confused. Mm. Mm. And and you know it's 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 the physical can the physical is of the physical realm, and we aren't we are essentially while we happen to be in physical form now. Mm. Our tr- our true identity is not in in physical. This just happens to be a pair of clothes that we're wearing for this particular experience. Mm. Mm. I, 
wonder. Yeah. Do we? I guess we. We. You know, it's, it's just sort of like. I don't think we have a choice. Actually, as as when we reincarnate, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, check the boxes what you want to be and how you what your physical features are going to be, and what your situation is going to be. You just sort of merge back into the whole um, process and get your memory to a degree wiped and you're off on another experience and adventure, which is really very exciting. Well, it may be exciting, but of course there's also a lot of, a lot of suffering in the world as well. You know, if you're, if you're born somewhere where you're, you and your family are starving and, 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 and so on. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, definitely, it, there is the, the as long as there is humanity, there is the, the potential to to achieve something limitless. Do you believe that while <clears throat> while as humans in human form that, that that this is our process, that in other parts of the universe, the galaxy, there are other entities that are flowing in the same direction? There, there may well be, but of course, the direction that, that we're flowing in, as I say, that the the momentum of the of, of the world isn't to flow towards towards the light. The tendency is for for us to get further into into shadow once it's once it's there. Um, but that that's not an inevitable uh, thing that has to happen. That that there are. There is a there is an antidote to it, but I think that that the direction of of that happens throughout the universe. This is a, uh, a universe that, as I say, governed by what's in science knows as the, the second law of thermodynamics. Order always goes into greater and greater states of disorder. Things things break down. They don't spontaneously become more become more ordered. Um, and uh, so. Um, yeah, we we have but this limitless potential to retrace our our steps to uh, to become what we what we were and what we can be, uh, and to to do so uh, as as you say we have to would have to to recognise the importance and value of all other of all other human beings. Well, with this journey that we're on, you're relating hmm. it basically to the Earth plane. Um, once we get to a point where is there a place is there a point in time that we evolve to a different plane I mean other dimensions or or is it just this dimension we we, we seem to be locked into well um, I I think if you if you trace as I say uh, uh, the case I make in the book is that, that consciousness is what makes time. So consciousness has no beginning. So we have a, uh, we have come from a, a state beyond the Big Bang, where all consciousness is one, and that's what uh, people are looking towards when they see that that light in near death experiences, where there's all wisdom and 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 all compassion. We have become less than that. We have taken on. We're not all light. We we have we have shadow. We have ignorance. We have restriction, prejudice, and limitation that divides us from our fellow human beings. Selfishness and so on. Nationalism, racism, all the things that 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 divide. But that there 
and that left to its own devices, if we follow those momentums that divide, then we become even less human. We, um, uh, you know, the, and, and the, the survival of the human species could be could be in jeopardy. But that we can undo that restriction, and that's what, as you say, people like Buddha and Jesus and many others were were showing a way of how of how that can be done to to achieve the the, the the state that we that is our our true home our true origin that we have that, that we have that we have come from so i don't see uh us in the the physical universe as a as an evolutionary step towards something another dimension because dimensions are all about separation you see we have three dimensions of space that all define the separation of points but but the the the, the oneness that beyond the big bang isn't isn't dimensional it's not spatial and and you, you can't have space without dimensions or, or or dimensions without space so it's not about developing more dimensions it's about it's about t- developing our our humanity and the part of us that can be eternal and infinite and recognizing that in each other and therefore achieving eternal existence and 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 wisdom without needing dimensions without needing time or space or evolution or any of those things so so the shadows are greed and avarice and anger and cruelty and those are the shadows you're mm. talking about so it's a yeah. matter of things, of things like that anything that that divides anything that that um, yeah, that separates human beings. That's a tall order to to cook up with the state of the world as it is now. Um, mm. I mean, if you if you look at at just human history, there's there are very few years that there hasn't been war or conflict someplace on the planet. That's right. So all we we don't have control over everybody in the world, but we have control over ourselves. That's I think where where Gandhi made a, a great point when he said, "Be the change that you want to see in the world." And and if you if you do that enough, and you, then and can be sufficiently a trailblazer as as he was and many others have been, then you actually show demonstrate a, a, a way of being that others can see and and possibly emulate. So this is really an awakening that at some point, theoretically, all living beings will get to this this point, or is this a never-ending story? Um, you see, I, I don't. Uh, that's the problem is that I don't think it is inevitable that we will go the, the that way to, towards towards limitless. But towards achieving our, our full potential, it's perfectly possible that people become even even less, become more become more mechanized, go into technology, lose sight of humanity, and so on. That's the way that the world is the world is going. That um, that that you know that, that there's still so much starvation and, and suffering in the world, and 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 you know that that there's yeah there's mountains of food that aren't being eaten and uh, and so on um so um i think the the tendency in in human nature is 
uh, without if we don't wake up that we do just follow on a a, a path to, to further towards destruction but that's not inevitable each human being has the has the power to to recognize their limitless value and potential and see that in in all others also and blaze the trail as you say going the opposite direction to the way that the the world seems to be moving it just seems as though with the fact that you know our lifetimes are what 120 years if we're lucky that that's repeating this pattern over and over and over and over again does feel as though we're on a spiral of sorts and and it's a matter of we can only control ourselves we can't control other people so it's hmm. a matter of that that awareness hitting enough people so that we change the course of hmm. Human humanity, the the course of, of mm. evolution. Um, mm. We have a long way to go. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. When you when you look at it that way, it's it's sort of like, mm. how do we ever win? How do we ever get to a place where where we get to that point? I, I mean, I can I I could even. I could even embrace, you know, millions and millions of years of this, but it it, it has to have a destination. It yeah. can't just be so, it can't hmm. can't just be limitless. I mean, there has to be or can it be? Is is there it's sort of like centrifugal force, you know, you get it going and it just keeps going and going and going and going. Is this the um is this the destiny of, of humanity? Well, that, that we never, I mean, we never quite make it. You know, I mean, it, it seems to me that there is hope that that better times will be be achieved. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, it, it's basically up to each human being, up to each of us, in how we in how we live, to. Uh, to make it happen or, or not, so to fo- just to follow blindly the momentum of the of the world that 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 tends to devalue humanity, or that we we revalue it, we recognise its its value and 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 live according to that and make our our, our spiral of, of of coming back in in other lifetimes each time rather than becoming more ignorant, we're becoming we we can try to be wiser. If you see what I mean, until eventually you get to a point where you you don't have any any shadow anymore. You don't have to come back. Then, uh, as you said, you might you might still choose to anyway to to try and to try and help the others. Well, if we don't come back, where do we go? Well, it, it's as I say, it's it, it's not really aware. It's not really a place. It is it is being itself. The the beyond the Big Bang, it's not a, a place in space because space is just the arena of our separation from each other. So it's the it's it's the it's what's on the other side of that of that light that people see in their in their in their near death experiences that um, that even even beyond that total wisdom total 
total empathy and, and, and compassion without any... You see, the problem is because we're so, our minds are so cultured in, in terms of time, so eternity to us, we think of it like a, a statue that's never changing. But what we forget is that that statue, we're watching it in time. But this is eternal, eternally within the, within the now. Nothing needs to change, but it's already all potential all at once. It's difficult to really to, to find words to describe it, but we can logically sort of infer that that's what it would be. Yeah, it's a ways away. That's for sure. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 it's not going to happen tomorrow. Is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, yes. So, that, so, that, but you know, religions, um, you know, offer the hope of eternal this and eternal that, and and you know, I I, I know that there is not. A celestial rest home out rest home out there. I got that, but mm. there has to be a purpose to the growth, and yes. there has to be a purpose. There, there has to be a purpose to it. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, I don't the believe... way I mm. <clears throat> go ahead. Yeah, the the way I see it is that what we see as existence when we, if we if we sort of equate existence with this physical universe and, and that we're that we're in now that that is like a the whole thing is like a, a tiny little dot compared to all of all of existence that we that that's the the problem is that we identify this as as natural reality but there is actually that because we're seeing it in time and and in space, but the fact that you're seeing it in time and space is because you're conscious and your consciousness is bigger than than physical universes. You you already have eternity because you are you are a sentient being. You have eternity because because time exists because of you. Uh, but it's just your the question is 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 in what way do you do you experience eternity is it in a in a world where you have to have material bodies made of flesh and decay and and disease and and death and and suffering or could it be that there's a there's another state beyond that where none of those things are, are necessary where you experience all of that love and wisdom forever without the the need for change so um there wouldn't be dimensions to it. There wouldn't be there wouldn't be space or 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 need for time. But that is the the logical inference of what is the if if we have no beginning and yet the universe did have a beginning. Then beyond that Big Bang, before without needing time and space, then all sentience can exist in its full limitless potential in that state, and that is achievable. Okay, I you know it's just that in human form, you know, in human consciousness, you kind of look at things and you say, okay, there's got to be, there's got to be a purpose, there's got to be an end game, there's got to be, yeah, where do we go from so here? You could, yeah, that might be what you what you uh, define as your as your purpose if you like if if you if you know once you you recognize 
that that potential in yourself and and in all others that that the actual uh, the purpose that you decide to to make your your purpose is is the achievement of that of that state makes sense makes sense mm-hmm. um with your um with with your investigation and knowledge of the shroud of turin um is there are there more investigations that are going to take place to to try to what? carbon mm-hmm. date it better or or get sure. more information from well, it yeah um i i do um cover to some extent some of what happened what went wrong with the uh with the carbon dating basically um i cite the uh the research and discoveries of uh that were from uh, a couple in the states called sue benford and and joe marino who who uh discovered that the reason why the carbon dating came out with the medieval date is at the corner that the sample was taken from had been uh, it was a corner that had been repaired uh, and that consisted mostly of extraneous material that had been that had been added to the shroud. Actually, um, Joe Marino has, has also written a book called called Wrapped Up in the Shroud, where he talks about the the history of of what went wrong with the carbon dating and how uh, he and his late wife discovered that. And he's actually got another book um, coming out shortly. But the the problem is that um, you see that the the shroud belongs to the now to the catholic church and um they're not really allowing much access to it for for scientists to do to do further research there already has been some great research that was done earlier so in the 1970s the the, the shroud was the property of the of the duke of savoy in in italy and he it was he who allowed the um Shroud of Turin research project team in 1978 to do the the scientific analysis of that, and this was scientists who, uh, as you may know, uh, came mostly from places like NASA, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Los Alamos, and so on. And uh, as I think you alluded to at the start, that that many of them, when they first went to study the shroud, they they thought that they would go there, see the brush strokes, as it were, in five minutes, and then they could go home again, because they just assumed that this was some kind of religious relic, which, of course, it isn't. It's a, it's a, it's an artifact, a historical artifact, that has a huge amount of scientific information uh, on it. And they discovered that, actually, they couldn't account for how the image on the cloth could have been fabricated. It couldn't have been sort of made by by an artist or a, or, or a forger. Um, that actually the the image doesn't consist of anything that's been added to the cloth, no paint or pigment, but actually is a chemical change to the outermost surface fibrils of the cloth, just one five thousandth of a millimeter in thickness. It's very similar to um, to what happens uh, when uh, paper is exposed to sunlight; that you get that sepia discoloration of the of the paper. Well, this seems to have happened fibril by fibril on the cloth in one momentary event that that formed the image as having photographic negative type properties and also distance coding, which implies that there may have been a burst of radiant energy that came from the body of the man, dead body of the man that was wrapped in the shroud. And this was a body that forensic pathologists have 
have seen from studying the blood stains and so on that someone who'd been whipped and tortured and crucified and had had a cap of thorns uh, or sharp objects placed placed upon his upon his head um okay. so yes and all of this is just from the the scientific study of the shroud and that was not what what they were expecting when they uh when they agreed to be part of the this research project but it is what they discovered There's also another um, cloth that has the same kind of image on it. Has that been studied as well? It just has his face on it. Um, actually, um, I, I believe there's not another cloth that has an image. I think um, you, you might be, be thinking of the, the, the Sudarium of Oviedo. It doesn't have an yes. image, but it has um, bloodstains on it. And, and oh, okay. some people think that... Um, that um, there, there's some evidence that uh, somebody called uh, Mark Guskin has done some research that seems to show that the that the blood stains on the sudarium align with the ones on the shroud. That that this may have been uh, have um, placed on his on his head at some point during the during the burial process, and and also um, had. Uh, sort of stains from from the from the blood. You see, the, the interesting thing is that, that at the time that, that the blood stains went on the cloth on the on the Turin shroud, we can see from looking at it forensically that he was already dead at that point. So he was dead when he was taken down from the from from the cross after having been after having been crucified uh, and laid down supine flat on his back when the the shroud was was wrapped around him. And then later, at some point, uh, not, uh, not too long after, because there's no putrefaction or decay in the body, um, it appears that that body somehow came up off the slab and was and was upright and suspended above the ground when the, there was this burst of light that came from it. Now, this sounds like, you know, people say it sounds like science fiction or so, but this is what the scientific evidence is actually is actually pointing towards that this that this actually happened yeah i i any anything that i have read certainly on the subject it 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 absolutely did that's the only way that you could get that kind of an image um mm. because of it yeah. so uh yeah you know i i firmly believe that that this happened in this way mm. and that mm. it 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 would it's very sad to think that you know hopefully someday you'll you'll be allowed to carbon date some of the actual image just to get a carbon dating from that because I know that they've they've taken the the they've done fiber you know they've they they tested out the pollen that was in the cloth and all sorts of other aspects that that put it in the right place at the right time. Well, it's the right mm, place. That's right. Time is the only thing yeah. that they haven't been able to to iron out yet. Well, actually, and, to, to some extent, it does put it at the right time because you see, um, there there was some research done on the on the pollen by Professor Avinom Danin, who was at the time he was a professor of botany at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and. Uh, it shows that the shroud was exposed to the elements in the environs of Jerusalem in either in March or April, because that's the time of the year that those pollens would have would have been in the in the air. Now, this is a victim of Roman crucifixion. 
in uh, in the area of Judea and uh, Jerusalem. And uh, now, most of the time, when the Romans were crucifying people, they they just left them out to the to the elements to allow the you know the animals to get to them and so on. Uh, except there's the exception to that is um, between the the years um, six and. 66, when there was like they had a, uh, a figurehead um, from the the local community who was who they allowed to have a little bit of power, and during that time um, the the Romans didn't agree to stop doing crucifixions, but they did allow uh, the, their victims to have a proper Jewish burial, and a Jewish burial for anyone who knows is a quick burial. So you get they would have been taken down from the cross soon after they were dead to be buried, and this is what happened with this the man of the shroud. So that says that this is a victim of Roman crucifixion between the years six and sixty six A.D. or Common Era, uh, who was crucified in in March or April somewhere around Jerusalem, and and particularly the interesting thing is that the forensically that uniquely the the cap of sharp objects on on his head uh, which which pertain specifically to the, at least the anecdotal reports of what happened to the particular individual, Jesus of Nazareth. So, you know, that there are many things that actually point to, to this being his, his personal burial cloth. It's fascinating. And, and mm. the further you go into it, the, the, the more it opens you up to the philosophy that got him there and, and what created the image, because... Obviously, it was mm. it was some sort of burst of consciousness, and it doesn't necessarily have had to be light, but it was a burst of energy for sure. And of course, well, light in fact, is what, the, yeah. well, it was the, the um, it's actually empirical evidence that points to there having been a, a burst of light, and this is based on work done by Dr. Paolo Di Lazzaro's team in the Atomic Energy Institute in in, in Italy that they found that they can reproduce certain aspects of the microscopically of the and chemically of the of the change in the surface fibrils that forms the image by using short intense bursts of of uh, ultraviolet laser um and um i mean they calculated that for, to 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 do such a thing technologically would require hundreds of billions of watts of lasers which they don't even have in uh in modern technology but I'm, I'm not suggesting, of course, and I don't think they are either, that the shroud was produced technologically, but that somehow, as you mentioned earlier, this was a natural thing that happened. Uh, and I would say, and I uh, do make the case in the book, that it happened naturally as a consequence of of, of how he lived his life and who he who he made himself to 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 be, uh, and how he showed the potential of what all other human beings can be, also. A great note to end on. I just noticed the time, and we're out of it. Mm. Um, I so thank you for for being here um, and and sharing your information and your insight and your wisdom with us. And um, if if people want to find your book, it it is on Amazon, and it's also on mm-hmm. Kindle. So I I highly it's the kind of book you know you really have to read more than once, I believe, and and uh, kind of stretch yourself into it. Uh, Your information is fabulous, and I thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Yes, the the book's called A a Burst of 
conscious light and uh you can find people can find links to it if they go to uh my website which is uh, andrewsilverman.co.uk okay well thank you very much again and thank you everybody for listening this will be up on youtube later on today and if you haven't sub- signed up to subscribe to our channel please do so Thank you very much, Mark, for helping out today, and thank you, Andrew, for being with us. 